Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. All right, well, here, listen, usually I announce, I I say with my words, the title of the series that we're going to begin, and we are going to begin a brand new series today, but today I don't want to announce it or say it. Today I want to show it. Don't put it yet, but I want to show it on the screen because I really, I need you to internalize what we're going to be focusing on for the next four weeks, and when it's on the screen, you have two options, okay? If if it's going to minister to you, you can can just be silent and just go, hmm. Sometimes you hear something, you go, "Mm." my heart. Or you can say, amen. If you're not afraid of letting people know that you don't have it all together, you can say, amen. I want want this kind of church. You know what I'm saying? I need that kind of church. All right? So so I see you in the back. There we go. Okay. So so, so I'm going to put it on the screen, and then you let me know if this is the message that you need for the next four weeks. Go ahead. Put the title of the series. (laughs) Come on, somebody. I want to preach to you on the topic, I will get through this. I was tempted to put the title in the third person because I'm a preacher and I'm talking to you. So I was tempted to call the next four weeks, you will get through this because I really believe that you do and you will. But then I realized it doesn't matter what I believe. It matters what you believe. And anytime somebody asks you, what are they talking about in Journey Church this week? I don't want it to be your announcement. I want it to be your declaration, your prophetic word over your own life. I'll tell you what he's preaching about. I will get through this. Who is this message for? I got a long list. I just don't want anybody to feel left out today. This message is for the addict who feels like they will never be free from that struggle that they've carried since their teenage years. I want you to know you will get through this. This is for the one who has been betrayed relationally. If you've ever been betrayed in a relationship, you know it doesn't just change the nature of the relationship. It changes your nature. And you probably think your heart will never heal. And I want you to know you will get through this. This is for all of my single parents who are struggling just to get the kids dressed in the morning. Forget, get good grades. It's like, I just got to keep them alive. (laughs) If they could be alive, I'm a good parent. This is for the co-parents who have to negotiate holidays and argue over the values of their children. This is for just the regular parents who are trying to raise kids in a world that you cannot recognize. How in the world am I supposed to be a parent in this world with the TikTok and the craziness and the, I don't know, the rest of the social media things that are still out there, but, you know, those things. If I feel like I'm, if you feel like I'm hitting the parent thing hard today, it's because I'm just preaching to myself right now. Um, This is for the teenagers who next week are going to go back to school, some of y'all. And, uh, and that's scary because some of y'all are transitioning into a whole new grade level, into a building you don't recognize, the classrooms you don't recognize, people you don't recognize. You're going to try and try to figure out the popularity hierarchy and where to sit in the lunch table. And if he likes you and if she likes you or if you like him or if you like her, and, and you're going to be wrestling with your identity, you're going to be wrestling with your, and you got to get good grades. <laughs> I just want to encourage every teenager heading back to school, you will get through this. To those who have been let go from work and still got bills to pay, or worse, you're, you're in work that you hate. <laughs> you can't get out of. <laughs> just, 
You're getting a paycheck, but you're not getting purpose. You will get through this. To anyone who found out recently that they were sick or found out that someone that they loved was sick, you will get through this. Finally, to the person who used to be so close to God in one season of your life, like you used to just blink and feel his presence. You know what I'm saying? You're like, mm, there he is. Yes, Lord. Just. But now you, come, now you come to church and it's empty. And you wonder if you will ever return to that place of intimacy and personal relationship with God. I got a word for you. You will get through this. To anyone who is desperate, scared, or hopeless, you will get through it. And the way I know you will get through this is because for the next four weeks, we are going to be studying, yes, I said studying, the book of Daniel. Yeah, now anybody who grew up in church is like, woo, everybody else is like, I don't, that what does that mean? <laughs> the book of Daniel is an entire book of the Bible whose major theme, hear me, is getting through, getting through. And this is going to be an inspirational series. It's going to be encouraging, obviously, with the title that I have. But I also want you to know it's going to be practical and it's going to be educational. I'm, I'm, I've never announced this before, like, hey, on week three, I'm going to preach this. But I really want everyone to try and make week three of this sermon series. This is in two weeks. Because in week three, I'm going to be preaching about the end times. We're going to do a Bible study on the end of the world. And I know a lot of people are interested in that. And, and I'm, I'm not just going to preach. We're going to study theologically all that because it has to do with getting through. And so let's jump into Daniel chapter one as we begin our Bible study through the book of Daniel. Let me give you some history. The year is 605 BC. 605 BC, Jerusalem, which is God's city, has been invaded by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And this is where we enter into the story. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, we need to pause right there. How in the world can God's people lose? God's people are not supposed to lose. But you have to understand the background of what's happening. The reason why God's people are losing is because they didn't want to serve God anymore. They thought serving God was too difficult, so they abandoned God. So God said, okay, I'm going to step back for a little bit and watch what happens when I... Let me say it another way. If you think life is hard with God, wait till you see life without him. So I said, it's just so hard to follow God. It's just so hard to believe. Amen. I'm with you, brother. I'm with you, sister. But try it without him. <laughs> it's a whole nother game. It's a whole different thing. So God steps back for a little bit to show the people of God, well, this is what life looks like without me. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and the other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. Amen. The ugly people were safe. <laughs> you had to be good-looking to get snatched. <laughs> I heard a, a real overweight person tell me one time, he goes, I love being overweight. I said, why? I said, I never get kidnapped. <laughs> I was like, all right, I never thought about that. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon, verse 5. They were to be trained for three years, and then they were to enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them, and with these names... These Babylonian names, Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, Azariah was called Abednego. Now we're going to get into next week why those name changes were so significant. They're not just renaming. There's a significance behind those name changes. Now this process, listen, they didn't just, Babylon didn't just defeat 
Jerusalem. They, they are coming to change it. Not only are they taking them captive, but now they're taking the best and the brightest and they're, they're removing them from their hometown to now live in Babylon. This is historically known, not just theologically, as the exile. Some will say the exile. The exile looked a little bit like this. The exile is hundreds of thousands of people being stripped of their home. And that would be enough just to lose your address, lose your home, lose your bed, lose your pillow. They're being stripped of their identity. They're being stripped of their religion. They're being stripped of their faith. They're being stripped of their language. They're being absolutely stripped of it all and brought to another place. They're, they're being taken from their home to live in exile, waiting to go back to their home. And the book is about them getting through. Now, this story hits you and me in three ways. One, because the people are hopeless. Why? Because there's no deliverer. There's no judge like in the book of Judges. There's no Samson coming. There's no Gideon coming. There's no Ehud coming. No Deborah coming. These are all names of deliverers in the Old Testament. There's no lineage of David. David was supposed to be the savior of the world and the savior of Jerusalem, but the King Jehoiakim has just been killed. And he was buried, and he wasn't even buried. He was killed outside the walls, and we, he doesn't even have a burial ground as a symbol of the, the, the line of David has stopped, or at least that's what they think. So, so now they're in a position of hopelessness because they feel like there's no way out. But at the same time, here's the other way that it relates to you. In the middle of their hopelessness, there's hope. Because there's a prophet who is not yet exiled, who stays behind in Jerusalem, and he is standing on the road while the, while the Israelites are passing by, and he begins to prophesy over them. His name was Jeremiah. Jeremiah begins to prophesy as the people are going through the streets and he goes, it might look scary now, but I promise in the name of the Lord, God has shown me one day you will return. One day the hundreds of thousand people leaving will be hundreds of thousand people coming back and this city will be rebuilt and those walls will be rebuilt and that temple will receive sacrifices again. In other words, Jeremiah says it might seem hopeless, but you will get through this. You will get through this. And of course, the third way that this relates to you and me is that they actually get through it. They get through the exile. They get through the bondage. They get through the difficulty. They get through the slavery. And I wish I could tell you, though, that they got through it in the next chapter. I wish that, you know, Daniel chapter 1 and then the prophets there, that they will get through and then we turn the page and, and then they got through. But unfortunately, that's not how it plays out. In fact, the entire book of Daniel spans... 70 years, 70 years, four or five king changes, we're not sure about one of them in the middle, and two empire changes, 70 years. And at the end of those 70 years, are you ready for the kicker? Here it goes. They never get back. Those four men, Daniel, Ashak, Meshach, Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, whatever you want to call them, they never get back home. They die in exile, which means that the first thing you have to learn if you want to get through is that the goal is not to get to it. The goal is to get through it. Mm, I'm preaching. Because I, they never arrive where they were supposed to arrive. And I don't know about you, but that actually encourages me. I'm actually giddy, smiling, praising the Lord that they never arrived. Because arriving is celebrated in our culture today. You are not somebody unless you arrive. Unless you got the letters at the end of your name, unless you play a professional sport, unless you make X amount of money, unless you're married and got the kids and got the house and the whip, and unless you arrive, 
You are not special. But now we see four people that have not arrived, but that God is glorifying and, and lifting up, which encourages me because that means that I don't have to arrive either. You need to learn that sometimes in life, you do not arrive. Did you know that? Uh, another preacher will tell you, 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 you will get there. You will get there. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But we get to where? That, that part. Right? Get, get to where, though? What are we talking about? Get to what? Because let me tell you, sometimes you don't arrive at a place where you no longer struggle with temptation. You can arrive at a place where you no longer watch porn. You can get there. But you might not, you might not ever arrive at a place where you don't wrestle with temptation. I mean, there is a name for a place like that. It's called death. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody struggling with sexual sin in their coffin. <laughs> you good? You might never arrive at a place where, and I'm gonna say, you will never arrive at a place in your marriage where you have to stop listening, yeah. sacrificing, and working hard. You can arrive at a place where y'all stop fighting. You can arrive at a place where you stop throwing things, <laughs> stop calling names. You can arrive at that place, but you, might, you will never arrive at a place where you don't have to stop sacrificing and stop listening and stop. I mean, there is a place for that. It's called divorce. That's when I'm done doing all those things. But if you want to stay married, you're never going to arrive at that place. You, you will never arrive at a place where you stop having stress. That you won't. You can arrive at a place where you stop having panic attacks. You can arrive at a place where you stop hyperventilating, but you can't, you won't, because this is life. You, you're not going to arrive at a place where you don't have stress. There's a place for that. It's called donuts. <laughs> but too many. And you arrive at another place <laughs> called diabetes. <laughs> so you can't have too many of them. I love me some donuts, man. The word of God and donuts. That's where I found my peace <laughs> and, and my wife. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I love that. And listen, and that only discourages you. The fact that you won't arrive if you confuse the journey with the destination. That's the only reason that I, I live this. The reason why I can preach this with authority is because I lived it. I found out, rec not recently, two years ago, I found out that my wife had, had a severe condition called uh, scoliosis. We found out because we took an x-ray. This was the x-ray of her spine. Now, in case you've never seen a spine, it goes this way. Liz's spine looks like the dude at the car dealership. This <laughs> <laughs> spine like, praising the Lord. You know, that's Liz's spine. I don't, I don't care. I love her for all of her uniqueness. But the doctor said it could be a serious issue that if she continues in that curvature, that her lungs could compress, pinch under the force of her ribcage, that, that could affect her breathing. This could be potentially something she passes away from later on in life. So I was like, no. -uh. So for two years, every morning, I have prayed for my wife's spine. Some days I lay hands. Other days I don't have the faith to lay hands. I just go to my couch and I just straighten that spine in Jesus' name. Scoliosis, that's actually, the Bible actually talks about a woman who was bent over. Jesus says, stand up straight. And so I got biblical evidence to show me that God can do this miracle. So for two years, I pray, Lord, straighten that spine. And I'm excited to show you the x-ray two years later.
You can laugh. That's okay. Before I prepare for this message, before God taught me some things, I look at a scan like this and I could get real discouraged. If her healing was the goal. If her healing was the thing that I was trying to get to. Then God arrested my heart. He said, JJ, what if the healing is not the goal? What if the goal is not to get to live life to get to her healing? What if the goal is to live life through her sickness? What if the miracle is not that we got to the point where her spine is straight, but what if the miracle is that through her scoliosis, she gave birth to three children? What if the miracle is that through her scoliosis, she's helped lead a a, a growing church? That through her scoliosis, she could deadlift more than you, bench press more than you, squat more than you, 17% body fat, got two out of six abs popping. (laughs) Bottom four are tough, man. But the two are popping. That through it, and what if the miracle is that through it, she has to stop worshiping God? And that through it, she has to stop coming to church? And what if my miracle is that through it, I keep praying every day, every morning, for 365 days, times two? What if the miracle is that next year, I keep praying? And the year after that, I keep praying. If the miracle is that, then my reward doesn't come on earth. My reward comes in heaven. Because what happens in life is not the reward. Life is not the thing we get to. Life is the thing we go through to get to the reward. You know who knew this? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. You got three men who are being ordered to bow down to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, and if not, they get thrown into a fire. They will die if they don't bow down. And this is their story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. You need to take that line. You need to put it in your pocket. Next time you pray for a healing and it doesn't happen. Because the enemy will say, "Mm, where's God? What happened to you in the name of Jesus, it shall happen. What happened to lay your hands on the sick, anoint them, James chapter five, and they shall be made well. What happened? What happened? What happened? You look at the devil and you go, don't need to answer you. (laughs) I don't need to defend my God your doubts. I know who God is in my life. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Mm. He can do it. We didn't just stop it. He can do it. Look at that verse. He will do it. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But here's where we get to the, to the epitome, to the, to the epitome, to the pinnacle of faith. But even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow down. I'm going to keep worshiping my Lord. I'm going to keep. Now, listen, if the goal had been life, I need to shift somebody's paradigm today because you've got goals that you set up in your life. And I do, too. I got a goal. Me, this might sound a little bougie. I don't even know if I should let them know because they're going to think that I'm money hungry or I got a goal to have a beach house one day. I got a goal. OK, hopefully you don't stop giving them the offering. Listen, can I tell you why? Because I want to have a place in the summer that all of our kids can come and vacation to and be together and be on the beach and, and all of those things. That's, that's cool. We can have goals on this earth. Just don't confuse any of your goals on this earth with the goal. Right, right. Like, like, there's nothing in this life that's worth living for in this life. In this life. If there were, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have stepped back and said, man, but if I get into that fire, I can't, I won't be able to start a family. If I get into that fire, I'm not going to have grandkids. If I get into that fire, I'm not going to start that business selling camels that I wanted to start. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't go through it because I'll never get to it. But they didn't, they went through it. They jumped in the fire, y'all, because they knew that what they were trying to get to was heaven. See, they would have saved their life but lost their faith. So I'd rather get to heaven with my faith than live on earth hopeless, faithless. And so they go through it. It's like this. Let me get this little illustration. It's like Chuck E. Cheese. It reminded me of, do y'all remember Chuck E. Cheese? Is it still around? I thought the health inspector would have shut it down by now. Chuck E. Cheese, y'all, the moment you get in there, feet. That's the smell. And, and you know it's not clean. They got the little ball pit. You think somebody's cleaning those balls? You got 30 years of germs. And now ball pit. So I'm never going back to Chuck E. Cheese ever again. If you work at Chuck E. Cheese, I'm sorry. I don't mean it to bash your way of living. But in Chuck E. Cheese, you know, the best part, man, I remember when I was a kid, it was the tunnel. This is my son, Justice, by the way. My son, Justice. Yeah. There was a tunnel. And do you remember the tunnel? Go ahead. Go through the tunnel. Go through it, Justice. Go through it. And you, you would go through the tunnel. It would be tight. It would be hot. It'd be sweaty. But you would go through it. Because at the end of the tunnel was what? The ball pit. As dirty as it was, you didn't know nothing about no germs when you were eight. When you got to the end of that tunnel, you were like, woo! She swam in the ball pit, you know? Just backstroking in the ball pit. You that was the prize. That was the reward. Going through it to get to it. But if you've ever been at Chuck E. Cheese, you know there was that one kid. Go ahead. Can you go through the... Right here? Okay, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Stop, Justice. There was that one kid. You ever seen that kid at Chuck E. Cheese who just camps out in the tunnel? Like, listen here, weirdo. <laughs> this is not what this tunnel's for. You got to have like an awkward conversation with him as you pass by, but it's a tunnel. So you're like, hey, uh, excuse me. Yeah, just uh, trying to get by. We're all headed to the ball pit. I don't know if you got to notice. <laughs> I always felt like telling that kid, like, I don't think you understand the purpose of this tunnel. We're not supposed to camp out here. We're supposed to get through here so that we can get to what the real fun is. But if you think that the goal is in the tunnel, you spend your whole life in it. And it'll look like this. Go ahead. Put it, put it together. If you're going to spend your whole life in the tunnel, go ahead, Justice. Yeah. Hey, listen to me. And that's why your life feels like you're going in circles. Because you spend your whole life trying to get to something that doesn't fulfill you. First, you go to school, because if I get the degree, then I'm going to make it. The degree helps you get the job, because if I make six figures, then I'm going to make it. Then you get the six figures. If I have the car, I'm going to make it. And it's just like that verse in the Bible says, you eat, but you're still hungry. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you're still cold. You have a job, but the money falls through your pockets. You got it, but you ain't got nothing. Because you're trying to make a goal out of something that's a tunnel. You're not supposed to live in it. You're supposed to get through it. The reward is not this life, y'all. You're living in the tunnel right now. 
the reward comes after. And when you understand that the reward comes after, go ahead and straighten it out. Then it doesn't matter what you have to get through to get it because you just keep going. So if you got to go through therapy to get it, you'll go there. If you got to go through chemo, you'll get there. If you got to go through a breakup, you'll get there. If you got to go through divorce, you'll get there because you know no matter what I get through, it's just the thing I'm going through. It's not the thing I'm getting to. The thing I'm getting to is way better and way greater and way awesomer than the thing I'm getting through. And someone's like, well, that's not fair, Pastor JJ, because he only had to go through it for two seconds. I'm 50 years old. I've been going through it for 50 years. How long you plan on living? 70, 80, 90? Depending on how much fried food you eat. <laughs> that's okay. Let's say you live to 100. Let me ask you this. How, how long did it feel to go through that? Two seconds? 2.3 seconds? 2.3 seconds. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. How long is 100 years? compared to eternity. It's a 2.3 second tunnel. So don't camp out in your pain. Don't camp out in your struggle. Don't camp out in the breakup. Don't camp out in the anxiety. Don't camp out in the depression. Go through. I had a pastor who was anointed but heartless. Some people used to come to, it was a good thing though, he was good. He was like a good kind of heartless. He, people would come and do counseling with him and I would sit and he would say, and they would say, Pastor, I'm going through something. And without fail, his answer would always be, Pastor, I'm going through something. He would say, then keep going. Then keep going. Don't stop now. Don't stop now. Don't stop now that it got difficult. Don't stop now that it got challenging. The reward is on the other side. Life is not about what we get through. It's about what we get. Stay, stay here one more quick because we got one more. And while you're at it, listen to me. Stop trying to get over it and start trying to get through it. Get through it. Get through it. The same prophet who said, you're going to come back and you're going to live and it's going to be awesome. People started taking that word of God and started twisting it. And they started saying, oh man, that means that he's going to come back right away. And then, then people are going to come back right away. Hey, don't worry. You're in exile, but it'll only be for four days. It'll only be for four months. It'll only be for four years. Look what that same prophet said in verse 29. This is what the Lord of heaven army says. The God of Israel says to all the captives he has exiled in Babylon. Look at verse five. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. He's saying settle in. Can I translate? You need, if you're going to get through it, you got to learn how to be comfortable when it's uncomfortable. Verse six, you marry, have children, find spouses for them so that you may have grandchildren. Multiply, don't dwindle. Work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you in exile. In fact, pray to the Lord for it, for his welfare will determine your welfare. God's saying, you got to go through it, but I can't let you out of it so fast because the thing that got you in there is still in you. So I can't take you out that fast. So, so you got to understand, when God puts you through something, He's either trying to take something out of you or put something in you. Justice, let's go through the tunnel one more time. Go ahead. Stop. Can Justice walk through this tunnel? How does he get 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 through this tunnel? Through this tunnel? On his hands and knees. You, you want to learn how to pray? 
go through something. Because when you go through something, your hands and knees will hit the floor and you will cry out to the Lord, Father, I can't get through this without you. I need your grace. I need your power. I need your guidance. I need your love. I need your spirit. I need your strength. I need your word. I need your prophetic guidance. I need your love over my life. God, I need you. I can't get through this standing up on my own two feet. Lead me through prayer will get you through if you allow you can because you can do another thing it can get difficult and you can just decide to get over it and not bother with it at all and just try to walk past it there's only one way to the ball pit and it's on your hands and knees pastor how do i pray go through something difficult you learn you'll learn go ahead justice you can get out come on go through buddy go through go through it wrestle through it push through it climb through it come on give it up for justice one more time Thank you, God. And let me tell you how you're going to get through it. Let me tell you how you're going to get through it. The same way Daniel got through it. We're studying this book and we're going fast. Daniel gets told, he gets told, uh, let's jump. We got to jump way all the way to the end. I'm skipping like four points, y'all. I told you I had a big message, but let's go all the way to Daniel chapter six, verse seven. Daniel gets told this. For the next 30 days, put on the screen. For the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to your majesty, will be thrown into a den of lions. This is now the third king, second empire change. This is no longer the Babylonians. These are the Medes and the Persians. And the king of the, the Medo Persian government right now is a man named Darius. And his advisors come to him trying to de get Daniel out of the way because they're jealous of Daniel. Which, by the way, one of the proof of the evidence of blessing over your life is the haters in your life. You know that, right? The moment people start to come against you, you're winning. Nobody bothers with losers. It's when you're winning that the haters come. Just want to encourage you. And so, so you got haters in Daniel's life. And they say, if we're going to get Daniel to fall, it's only going to be through his religion, his faith. So they say, anybody who prays for the next 30 days. Now, when I read this for the first time, I caught a loophole. A loophole I never noticed before. If Daniel wants to survive, he doesn't have to pray to Darius. To pray to Darius would be an obvious form of idolatry. Obviously, I'm not going to pray to Buddha. Obviously, I'm not going to pray to Allah. Obviously, I'm not going to pray to other gods. If I have this faith, that's cool. But the command doesn't say that you have to pray to Darius. It says any person who prays needs to pray to Darius. So here's the loophole to survive this trial, to get through it. Ready? Just don't pray. Just for 30 days, don't pray. Some of y'all are halfway through that streak right now. If I'm Daniel, I'd be like, I'm just not praying. For 30 days, but on the 31st day, I'm fasting. Worship music, I'm going in on day 31. I'm gonna make it special on 3031. I'm gonna make up for them last 30 days. Let's see how Daniel responds. Now, when Daniel learned of the decree he had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed. Ooh, how did he learn? How did he learn to get on his knees and pray as he was going through exile? Three times a day, he gets down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. Please catch the two options that Daniel's faced with. Option number one, put it on the screen. If I don't pray for 30 days, I'll live. Now, if life is something that he's trying to get to, then this is the strategy for success. If I don't pray for 30 days, I'll live. But instead, Daniel said, they were supposed to show you that second line at the end to make it like a ha-ha moment, but we'll get it right for the next service. <laughs> Instead, Daniel says, no, no. If I go one day without praying, I'll die. They, they'll kill me if I pray. But I'll die if I don't. 
I'm, here's the, here's the solution for getting through. Ready? I need God. I need God. If you are going to get through this life, hear me, you need God. For anyone who is new to church, I'm using that word need correctly. There's three parts of your existence. You got your body, you got your mind, which is your soul, and you got your spirit. Your body needs sleep. Your body needs food. Your body needs water. You got a mind, a soul. Your soul needs people, company. Your, your soul needs a hobby. Your soul needs a, a education and learning. But then you got this spirit, and you know you got a spirit because the spirit is the thing that's hungry when your body and soul is fed. The spirit is the thing that is still hungry after you binge watch four hours of Netflix and you should be rested, but you're still restless. Because your spirit and your spirit needs God. And it needs God more than it needs any of those other things I just mentioned. What does that mean practically? I'm gonna give it to you fast. It means number one, I need God's people. Come to church. I, I've been out five weeks. And if I was out one more week, I would have lost my Jesus loving mind. I love my wife, I love my children, but there's something about God's people. When you get in a room and the hands raise and the songs go up, it's like, I, just, I, I don't even like half of them, but I need them. <laughs> That's not me, I'm saying from another person. I like all y'all. But there might be somebody who comes to church that doesn't like somebody else to come to church. But it's different when you need something. The preferences don't matter as much. You know what I'm saying? I don't get along with that person, but it's okay. This is not something I want. This is something I need to go. I need God's people in my life. Here's the second thing you need, God's word. You need God's word. You need God's word because the things that knock you out in life are the things you don't expect. The phone call you didn't expect, the diagnosis you didn't expect, the breakup you didn't expect, the infidelity you didn't expect. You need God's word because God's word is a list of what you can expect when life gives you things that you didn't expect. So I didn't expect for the relationship to end, but I do expect God to work all things out for my good and his glory. I expect that. And the last thing you need, I need to spend time with God. I need to spend time with God. That's why 21 days of prayer is so clutch. Spend time with God. Matthew 26 through 36, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane is the garden he was at. I actually had the chance to visit it. It's the garden that he was at right before he went to the cross. Now get this in your mind, please church. He's getting ready to go through the most difficult moment of his life. And what does he go through? What does he do to find the strength to go through? What does he do to find the strength to go through? Sit here while I go over there and pray. The Bible says that he received the strength of his father in prayer and was able to carry the cross. My dad, when he, when I was younger, I was a kid, he was very like holy, like rules. Like if you're, if you're Spanish, you know there's a word we have for that. Yeah, he was that, you know? And so he was very strict and stuff. And, and uh, like we weren't allowed to watch Pokemon. It's like that was the devil. Those monsters, you know? Which is cool, I appreciate it. But one day we were in Virginia Beach and there was a haunted house and he looked at me. I was a kid. He goes, you want to go? I was like, I'm pretty sure this is worse than Pokemon. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, Dad. I'm a little scared. He goes, nah, come on. I'll go through it. I'll go through it with you. I'll go through it with you. So it's just me and him. We go into the, I'll never forget the first scene because it's all I remember. After I pass out. 
first scene was a girl on a bed. I didn't know because I never saw the movie, but it was, a, it was a remake of The Exorcist. This little girl's on the bed. You want to talk about Pokemon? We got a demon-possessed girl on the bed right now. She's convulsing. I thought it was a robot, one of them animatronics. And then at the moment when you pass by, she jumps out the bed. She went like that, ha, in my face. Last thing I remember. I was like, I was not ready for this. I was not ready for this. That's a lie. It was one of the things I remember. At that point, we're going through it. So here's what I remember. I remember grabbing the arms of my dad, <laughs> taking my teeth, closing my eyes. And for the remainder of the haunted house, I was like, My dad had bite marks on his arm when we came out. I just had my eyes closed. But he never, but he never pushed me off. And I never let go. I got through it because I held on to the arms of my father. I don't know what haunted house you're living in. But I want you to know there is an exit. And if you want to get through, take your teeth and sink in to the arms of your father. And you will find the strength to get through. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room today and you need Jesus, you're far from God and you don't have a relationship with him. I talk about getting through with Jesus. You're like, I don't even have Jesus. Well, this is your moment right here, right now. Whether this is your first time in church or first time in a long time, you can't get through this without him. If that's you and you want Jesus in your life, you're ready to begin a commitment of following him all over this room. Raise your right hand high to the sky. When I say the number three, it's a countdown. You raise your hand high if that's you all over this room. One, two, three. Right now, raise your right hand high. Come on, all over the building, our hands raised. Amen, amen. Now, I want you to say this next couple of sentences with me out loud. Everybody, out loud, even if you didn't raise your hand. Father God, I'm going through with you. Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sinking in to your arms. Forgive me for my past. Protect me from my future. I give it all. In Jesus' name I pray. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.